The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 173 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Is our mom on drugs? That's our topic today. By drugs, we're referring to medications prescribed for elderly people living in residential care and the problems these medications can cause for the elderly people, for their family caregivers and for their professional caregivers. Medications are given to elderly people living in residential care for many reasons and a couple of examples Physical illnesses that have affected the person for a long time, like high blood pressure or heart disease. Difficulties associated with the mind, such as forgetfulness, sadness, poor self-care, wandering or aggressiveness. Problems with medications arise because they may have side effects, which can be mistaken for the symptoms of a health condition. Examples are vomiting chest pain or seizures. There are many other types of side effects, but the key point is what I just said, is that they lead to confusion about what the problem is with the elderly person. Problems with medications arise because they may be prescribed without enough understanding of the person's medical or family history and Problems with medication may also arise because family caregivers may perceive deterioration of their family member's health, but without knowing that the cause may be medications. And that's the reason why our topic today is our mom on drugs is so important. To discuss it, our guests are Johanna Trimble and Donna Davis. Johanna is a World Health Organization patient safety champion. In 2010, she won a Best Poster Award at an international conference for her poster, Is Your Mom on Drugs?, which was about over-medication of her mother-in-law. She's on the steering committee of the BC Patient Voices Network. She belongs to Patients for Patient Safety Canada. She presented on over-medication at the 2011 Canadian Cochrane Symposium. She's a member of the Provincial Optimal Prescribing Update and Support Team and the Polypharmacy Working Group. Donna co-chairs Patients for Patient Safety Canada. She's a mother and a nurse. The death from medical error of her 19-year-old son started her on a journey to ensure effective communication between healthcare providers and patients and families. She's contributed to the revision of the Canadian Disclosure Guidelines, the revision of the Canadian Incident Analysis Framework, the Patient Safety Education Programme, the Saskatchewan Ministry of Health Critical Incident Review Working Group, and the Project Safe Surgery Saves Lives. 
She's won a World Health Organization Patient Safety Champion and recipient of the 2011 Nurse of Distinction Award. Donna knows firsthand where improvements are needed. Welcome to the show, Johanna and Donna. Thank you very much. Thank you, Gordon. Now, first question to Johanna, please. Please tell us more about your personal background and about your own experience as family caregiver for your mom. Yes. Um, actually, as far as my personal background uh, that helped me uh, do something about uh, the problems we were having with the medications for my mother-in-law, um, I have a library background and educational media, so I'm used to researching information and I'm pretty good at it. Uh, so I'll just give you um, our family story in a nutshell, and that is that my mom uh, was living in a seniors complex, living independently in her own apartment, um, also able to still, you know, cook her breakfast and lunch, go down to the dining room for her main meal, and just a very vital, intelligent, funny person that the whole family enjoyed and respected. Um, she was in her 80s at the time this happened, in her late 80s. She had been feeling unwell from a flu, and um, we later found out she was also dehydrated. And she ended up in the hospital for one night. She'd felt so weak, and she was diagnosed with dehydration and rehydrated and sent home uh, basically to recover in the health center of the seniors' complex. And that was to be for just a few days, just to recover and get strong again so she could live independently. What happened was instead she got very much worse. And when I'm saying worse, I'm saying uh, in the sense of her cognitive abilities. Um, she was in and out of delirium, which we now know was delirium. At the time, we didn't even know the, the term or what it meant. Um, she was not recognizing us. She seemed to be in a stupor at some time. We just were totally confused um, in light of why she had gone into the health center as to why all of a sudden she was having these cognitive problems. And it had been suggested, in fact, that perhaps she had vascular dementia and they were wanting to give her, at that point, an Alzheimer's drug before we stepped in. So what we did is researched new drugs that we found she had been put on and um, deduced that she had something called serotonin syndrome which was caused by a drug called tramadol given for pain and an SSRI antidepressant also affecting serotonin. And these two were enough to give her serotonin syndrome with a lot of cognitive symptoms, a lot of delirium, and um, to make it even more disturbing, we didn't believe she was depressed. We felt she was naturally mourning her situation of being away from her friends and her apartment and her life and you know, stuck in a bed in what was pretty much a hospital. Right. So what Johanna, we, I'm, yes. Johanna, I'm sorry to do this. I'm going to stop you there just for the sake of okay. time. But we will come back to these points because yours is the essence of this episode, the, the essence of the things we're talking about. Yeah, stop now, I go on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Donna, please tell us more about your personal background and about your own experience as a family caregiver. So as you mentioned, Gordon, I am a nurse. I've been a nurse for 36 years, and most of that has been in a rural health facility and more recently and for quite a number of years in long-term care. Um, 
as you mentioned, I lost a son, a 19-year-old son, from medical error, and the the root cause really was communication. And I don't think it matters if your family member is 19 or if they're 92. If there isn't good communication between the family, the patient, if they're able, and the providers, there are huge gaps, and that's where safety can be an issue, and that's where misunderstandings um, are created and people not talking to each other. So realizing, you know, when Vance died, that I saw the same things in the facilities that I worked in, and I wasn't listened to as a mother who knew my son better than anybody else. I knew what signs and symptoms were not normal for him. And hearing Johanna's story, you know, they knew that what their mother-in-law, what what Johanna's mother-in-law was experiencing was um, was not... common for her. It was not who she was, and they recognized that, and and I'm not sure um, their voice was heard at first, and so that's why it's so very important to talk about our elderly people, and not just elderly, but everybody in the healthcare system, and why communication is so very important, and listening. Again, that's the core of this episode that we're doing. Now, two quick questions. It's the same question, really, for both of you, uh, in a way. Johanna, tell us more about what you actually do with Patient Voices Network of BC. Um, I guess the the two things, I do a lot of things, actually, with Patient Voices Network. It's a great organization. It gets support through the Ministry of Health, so we're able to take on a lot of um, areas for change, and we're encouraged to. Um, I belong to the um, Optimal Prescribing Update and Support Group as a public member, and we're developing good prescribing uh, practice for general practitioners in the community on different drug classes, and we're also, and I'm also very involved in the Polypharmacy Working Group, which is a group that is at the moment um, developing continuing education to help medical directors and doctors involved with residential care to use the medication reviews that are usually mandated to try and cut down on the number of drugs that are given to uh, residents. Right. Donna, please tell us about your work with Patients for Patient Safety Canada. Uh, Patients for Patient Safety Canada is a World Health Organization initiative. Um, In 2004, the World Health Organization realized that a huge resource was being missed, and that is the perspective of patients and families, because patients and families see things that quite often in the busyness of the work and the complexity of the system, providers just do not see or maybe don't have the time to address. And so the World Health Organization started this program of Patients for Patient Safety, and their aim was to create a an organization or program in every country or as many countries as possible across the world. And in uh, 2007, Patients for Patient Safety Canada was formed as a program of C 
CP, pardon me, the Canadian Patient Safety Institute. Um, that's where we get our funding. That's where we get huge support. We have 50 members across Canada, and we work very, very closely with um, health organizations, health facilities, professional bodies, ministries of health. Um, we speak at conferences, many, many conferences. Uh, it's more... It's becoming more and more known all the time that the patient voice and the telling of the stories of um, lessons to be learned when well really um, hits home to providers and can really um, influence change. We um, our patient story started the Canadian Patient Safety Institute virtual forum every day uh, of the forum, which was held from October. 29th this year, I believe, till November 2nd, and the same, um, they had the same forum last year. Patient Stories started that forum, and people can view them if they go to the Canadian Patient Safety Institute website and just click on Virtual Forum and Patient Stories. Um, we're involved in research projects, such as there's a research project that hopefully is going to um, become reality, and that is on, on falls in long-term care. Um, there was a National Falls Collaborative that members have been a part of, and it's really, you know, bringing that patient voice to the table, which makes such a difference because the conversation changes when the patient is at the table. The conversation is focused to the patient rather than to the provider and the regions. And we try very, very hard to match the person who has had experience in that area with um, the subject that's being addressed in the conference or in the research project or anything like that. The disclosure guidelines, for example, the Canadian disclosure guidelines. Donna, I'm going to stop you there because we have to pay our rent by going to the break. But I just want to make a quick point back to you both. When you're talking about bringing the patients to the table, I'm assuming, please tell me if I'm right, that you're also including family caregivers in that. Absolutely. Right. I knew you would be, but I just wanted to be sure. Now, let's take the short break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley and my guest Guests are Johanna Trimble and Donna Davis. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We will be back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Succeed. 
You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Johanna Trimble and Donna Davis. Our topic is, Is Our Mom on Drugs? Now let's talk about the challenges created by medications prescribed for elderly persons living in residential care facilities. Johanna first, what are the most serious challenges created for the elderly people themselves in those circumstances? Um, I think in a a very short sentence you could say too many drugs. Um, More drugs lead to more hospital admissions, more drug interactions, and a lot more problems. You're giving a lot of drugs to somebody who may be very, uh, may have a lot of different uh, medical conditions. They, they would have severely reduced liver and kidney function at their age. And um, giving a lot of drugs, many of them just to address um, lowering a risk that might or might not happen in the future, just leads to so much problems, uh, so many problems, and also to a very, very poor quality of life. Um, the next thing is what's called guidelines prescribing. That means prescribing for this frail elder, whatever the guidelines say for blood pressure, blood sugar, heart disease. So the person ends up on a lot of different drugs, most of which were never tested on that age group, and they were certainly never tested uh, with somebody who is taking many different drugs for different conditions at the same time. Uh, the, other, the other problem, major problem, I think, is um, use of drugs to control behavior, um, which is sometimes uh, behavior problems are caused by unaddressed pain. And I think uh, behavior problems are almost always impacted by boredom, anxiety, loneliness, lack of privacy, isolation. Um, that's what happens in residential care. All of those things are occurring, and quite often an antipsychotic is the answer for a period of behavior problems, and they're just left on it. Afterwards, they're just left on it, and um, they will die much quicker. We're going to explore those challenges in a moment. Once again, I'm repeating myself. These are the core questions for this episode and for society and healthcare generally. Donna, what are the most serious challenges created for professional caregivers in the kind of facilities we're talking about by the kind of medications that um, Johanna was talking about um, to elderly people living in the residential care? Well, Gordon, I, I believe that... As professionals, our challenge is perhaps to give ourselves permission to seek other than medication solutions. You know, we've become a very um, pill-orientated society, and perhaps the, the families of the people that we are caring for think, you know, another pill is the answer. And I think we have to give ourselves permission 
you know, I, I believe there might be another solution. And really take the time to explain to the families why medication isn't necessarily the answer and, and the, the side effects that it could have. Um, you know, and, and the other thing, as Johanna already mentioned, is to recognize that quality of life is probably more important than the quantity of life. And, you know, yes, by giving another medication, we may extend the life, but we may also do harm by the side effects that Johanna has mentioned. Another thing that I have found in, as I practice as a nurse, is the barrier that we have in convincing visiting professionals that we as the care providers in that facility are the experts on that person. Um, they become family to us. Definitely, you know, not as important as their family who comes to visit them, but, but we view them as family and we know them very, very well. And sometimes you'll have visiting professionals come who might only come once every three months or so, and they see that person at that time. And to really get those professionals to realize that maybe they're just seeing that person on an off day or maybe that behavior is typical of that person but not a behavior that needs to be addressed with another pill. And I really don't think we, we take the time to think about our elders and we have a, a situational blindness, will you say, that, you know, they come on these pills. Johanna mentioned uh, medication um, um, not reconciliation, but a medication evaluation or medication review that should be done on a regular basis. But sometimes you have that situational blindness where this person's been on this medication and you don't stop to think that do they really need this now at this advanced age and what is it doing because they don't have the liver function when they were younger. And the other thing is that when we have them on all these medications, we add another, we add another, um, and perhaps their, their change of behavior or signs and symptoms, do we recognize that that is due to the medication rather than their health condition? I think often we just add another medication for the side effect that we see. Right. Now that takes me to Johanna. Um, and just to really say to you or ask you, what the most serious challenges are for family caregivers whose family members are in the kind of situation that Donna's just been talking about. That is the, to say they're receiving medications and for one reason or another, their health condition seems to be going downhill. What, what are the challenges there for family caregivers, Johanna? Well, I think uh, one of the most serious uh, challenges is that as soon as that resident gets a diagnosis of Alzheimer's or dementia, all critical thinking about their condition stops. Um, people don't, uh, they, just, they just decide that that's the problem and they don't look at the drugs that person's on, they don't look at the interactions, they're not looking at them um, from a point of view of how can I improve the quality of this person's life. Uh, they're, in a way, getting that kind of diagnosis, in a sense, is like being written off. And I think uh, one of the serious challenges for family members is um, really a lack of confidence to address the medical staff about these kinds of changes they're seeing in their loved one. 
that don't make sense to them. They confuse them. If, if my loved one is getting all these drugs, but they're getting worse, why is this happening? We have to have some confidence um, to ask the questions. Now, I want to go to Donna, and it flows from what Johanna has just been saying, and that is there are challenges associated with medications, as we've just spoken about, but there are other challenges for family caregivers in the situation where family, elderly family members are living in residential care facilities. Why are these other challenges important, Donna, and what are they? Um, well, besides medications, I mean, communication, just about the care of that person and, and who they were. I think it's really important for staff to, to have that knowledge of who this person was before they came into their facility because they, they may have been very, very different people. And I think that helps for the providers to, to see who that person was and, and to, to give the care based on who the person was, not on the disease that they have now. And sometimes families have a hard time um, getting providers to really listen to them and, and to hear who their, their loved one was or when they were in their prime. And I remember going to a funeral of one of our residents and the family gave just the most fabulous eulogy. You really knew who that person was by listening to the family, the humor and the serious parts and, and what they like to do. And I remember saying to um, my coworkers when we left, I said, boy, you know, wouldn't it be great if families could write something like that prior to the person dying? And so we really get to know who they are. Um, but as Johanna said, speaking up, having the courage to speak up, and, uh, and of course, then we as providers, there's all kinds of programs across the country. It's safe to ask and um, speak up, etc. However, if you speak up and you're not received very well, you know, you get, you can tell when someone shuts you down if you've asked a question that perhaps they don't know the answer to. So we as staff have to be ready to say, I don't know the answer to that, but I will get back to you. We have to give ourselves permission not to know all the answers and, and take that question from the family member in the manner in which it is being spoken. It's not to challenge us of the job that we're doing. It's not to say we're doing something wrong. They want to know, and they have the right to know. And And... I think also for the families to be included in the circle of care. Um, patient and family-centered care is so very important. And notice it says patient and family-centered care. So we need to, as providers, include the families because quite often our elders in our residential facilities, they can't speak for themselves. You know, they, they can't participate, but the families know them better than anyone else. And they can participate with us. And the care will be so much better and the communication so much better. And therefore, the safety of that resident so that the things that happened with Johanna's mother-in-law doesn't happen with someone else. We're hearing them. We're listening. 
Right. Now, I'm going to just make one quick comment and then we'll go into the break. What I heard you both say is that for the people who are actually the staff, the professionals in the facility and the families, there is to be a teamwork. That is to say, you said, both of you, or implied that the professional caregivers basically came to be part of the family of the individual they're caring for. And I think that's a profoundly important uh, response to the situation you've also been describing where professional caregivers, maybe because they're not there very much or because they haven't been briefed fully or the rest of it, are detached. So I risk of going into a long lecture myself I just want to say to you both I think that's a profoundly important statement and on that point I'm going to take the break this is Dr. Gordon Atherley and my guests are Johanna Trimble and Donna Davis you're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River please stay with us we will be back We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Johanna Trimble and Donna Davis. Our topic is... Is our mom on drugs? Now let's talk about ways for family caregivers to meet the challenges created by medications prescribed for their elderly family members living in residential care. Johanna first, what's the role of the family caregiver when an elderly family member is being cared for in a residential facility and is receiving medications? Johanna? I think one of the primary roles is to be a bedside observer because, in fact, the family is probably at the bedside or in the room of that uh, elderly person, their, their loved one, more than the medical staff is ever around them. They may be noticing things um, that the medical staff would never t- have time to see. I suggest that anything that is unusual, um, 
that your loved one describes or is exhibiting, write everything down. Those can be side effects of drugs if, they, if they're on new drugs. That's what happened with us. That's where we were able to figure out what drugs were causing the problem was because of the symptoms that we, that we noted. We asked a lot of questions of our loved one when she was, you know, not delirious, when she was out of delirium. Um, and I think what you have to do is you have to find a way to be able to politely and respectfully press for an answer from medical staff if you're confused by the condition of your elder and you're wondering if the new drugs may be the, prob- the problem. Because, in fact, if there's a big change uh, in your loved one and they've just had a new drug prescribed, you should definitely suspect that it may be the drug. Oh, and the other thing is get to know the care aides in the residence. Get to know the nurses and care aides that have direct hands-on relationship with your loved one. They're a tremendous resource, and in fact, they do become like family. Right. Donna, I want to ask you the question about the challenges that family caregivers could experience in fulfilling that responsibility that Johanna's just mentioned. That is, may I put it this way, being the eyes and ears for the family member um, who's receiving medications. In other words... What are the sorts of, let me call them challenges or obstacles or something like that, that the family caregivers could run into, and how should they deal with those? Well, you know, typically healthcare has been very paternalistic. It's, it's our field, we know what we're doing, and we don't need anyone to tell us how to do our job. I think, you know, we take a lot of pride as professionals in that. However, Times are changing, and people are becoming more and more knowledgeable um, with the Internet and programs on TV, etc., many, many resources. And so we have to change as providers and realize that the families have very valid observations. And, and to get the providers to be open to that is definitely a challenge for the family caregivers um, because, you know, historically it's been a very paternalistic um, field. And Johanna has given so many examples of how you can overcome these challenges. The, I, I feel that the family caregivers may have trouble advocating for their loved one because they might think, I don't know what questions to ask. And that's where I think we as providers need to step up to the plate and we need to provide that information. We need to say, your mom is now on this medication and this might be what you might expect from it. But please, if you notice any changes in her behavior that that aren't typical, that you don't usually see, please alert them to us because you know your mother best. And I think the more we say it, to the family as providers, the more we're going to believe it ourselves and really act for that. So I I think we need to be ready to um, provide that information. We need to really hear, you know, the family caregivers are probably going to experience difficulty in having the providers really be present and listen. And as Johanna said, I always call it being respectful but assertive. And assertive is different than being aggressive because if you're aggressive, you know, 
um, there's blinders, their wall, huge wall goes up. So to be respectful but assertive until you get the information that you are comfortable with. Now, Johanna, um, getting information results from asking questions. Um, so what are the types of questions about medications that family caregivers should ask doctors and nurses and when and why should they ask those questions? Well, I think that the family caregivers should immediately um, ask for a list of all medications, both prescription and non-prescription, that are being given to their loved one as soon as uh, that person en- enters residential care. And I think they should ask uh, to be informed when new drugs are added, why they're added, uh, what is it, the effectiveness of that drug for this particular frail elder, um, perhaps if the drug is being given to reduce a f- future risk, but it's d- possibly destroying quality of life now, then ask for a temporary drug deletion and see if, if, if it's not a life-saving drug that they have to be on to save their life, then I would say that probably uh, they could experience a couple of weeks or a few weeks of not receiving it See if it improves their quality of life and their cognition. Now, I'm going to ask you, Donna, the question, and I've phrased it gently, but the question is, what should family caregivers do if the information they receive about their elderly relatives' medications seems insufficient, uh, seems incomprehensible, or just doesn't seem particularly useful? What should they do? Well, I would encourage them to, as I said, respectfully but assertively keep asking the question until they get the information that does make sense to them. Ask for it to be written out, as Johanna has suggested. And, you know, quite often in residential care facilities, the family will have a particular nurse um, that they really have a good rapport with. And I would suggest talk to that person, you know, because sometimes just different, um, maybe you've got some commonality where you have that rapport. Maybe maybe you have a friend in common or maybe you both like to ski and so that creates a, a bond, you know. And, and so to, to go to that person. The other thing is, as Johanna said, to research. Don't be afraid to research and come with that information because you know, I think people are listened to if it's not just a concern but also a solution that comes. You know, like Johanna's family was very good at, at researching the material and saying, well, what if we took her off this? What if we took her off that? Not demanding but questioning. And um, perhaps making an appointment with the physician if because often physicians, when they visit in residential care facilities, they're in a hurry, um, they've got many people to see, and maybe they're there when the family isn't. So I would suggest maybe making an appointment uh, with the physician in his office if he has that type of practice, and tell the person why you want that appointment so that the physician can be prepared ahead of time. You might get a a better explanation that way. Another thing is pharmacists. Pharmacists have just a wealth of information 
um, about medications, and, and they are a huge resource that I'm not sure that we use um, often enough. And they're usually more than willing to discuss medications with families and patients. I'd like to go back to Johanna. You're um, an information specialist. Um, what have you got to say about um, family caregivers using the Internet, for example, to find additional information out where they need it or they don't feel they've been well enough informed by the kind of questions that they've addressed to the professionals? What about the Internet or other sources of information? Johanna? I think uh, the Internet can work for you very well if you know, if you can tell a good source from a bad one. A bad source about uh, medications is one that's got a lot of sponsorship uh, from pharmaceutical companies. Um, you, you have to identify the neutral sources of information, and the one that I used the most when I was researching my mother-in-law's medication is called um, www.worstpills.org. It's run by a group in the United States called Public Citizen, and it's a huge uh, drug database of information that's right from the labeling and from the physician's reference, desk reference, about drugs, but it's all been taken and written out in plain language with the most important information, the safety information, at the beginning of each uh, drug um, page. And it's just, it's really, it's invaluable. That's where I got my information. So you've got to find good information. Is it always, and this is just a quick question, Johanna, for you, is it always understandable, that information, or is there any additional explanation that's sometimes needed? Well, as far as this particular uh, website that, that I just mentioned, worstpills.org, you don't really need additional information. It is the information about the drug. It's just been written up in plain language. But it, it gives safety issues, it gives interactions, it gives symptoms of side effects. What should you do if you experience this side effect? It's, it's really invaluable and pretty complete. Right. Donna, just another quick question. Are professionals like you trained to use that kind of information source? Um, we're getting to be more and more um, educated that way. However, you know, we, we typically go to the CPS, which is the pharmaceutical pharmacopoeia encyclopedia that we use. And, I mean, things are written <laughs> in little tiny writing and, um, you know, certainly not as easy to um, probably the information isn't given as well as it is on this website that Johanna has mentioned, and I certainly will be taking this to my workplace and uh, offering it as a resource. Great. Um, now, again, it's time to take the break, so let's do that now. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Johanna Trimble. And my guests are, so sorry, Johanna Trimble and Donna Davis. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We will be back. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Our nation's educational system is undergoing constant change as technology and society are redefining the system as we have known it. On Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton, we provide parents with the resources they need to understand and become a part of the educational experience for their children. Through engaging guests, news, interactive discussions, and innovative ideas, it's everything that parents should know about school. Tune in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time for Chalk Talk on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week. Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Johanna Trimble and Donna Davis. Our topic is, Is Our Mom on Drugs? I want to talk now, please, both of you, about ways to increase help for family caregivers in meeting the challenges associated with medications and residential care of elderly family members. So starting with you, Johanna, what do you want to do and what do you want to see done to increase help for family caregivers with elderly family members in a residential facility of some kind? Well, well, I'm going to go out on a limb here and give you my wish list. So some of these might be uh, far from being able to be implemented immediately. But um, one thing I would really like to see is I would like to see family councils for any residential care facility that have the power to deal with some of the ongoing issues and uh, improving care in the facility to be part of, to be part of the um, change. Uh, I'd like to see these councils bring in educators such as clinical pharmacists or infection control spe- specialists and call meetings of family members. A lot of these, what we sometimes think are isolated incidents that are only happening to our family member are happening to a whole lot of other people in uh, care as well. And that would be one way of kind of uniting um, some of the uh, caregivers. Uh, I'd like to see the mandating of reporting of dangerous infections such as C. difficile and uh, other uh, antibiotic-resistant um, organisms uh, in the residential care. I would like to see over-medication of elders. I would like to see this publicized as a public health issue. It is so prevalent. The public needs to become aware of this issue. Um, we've had other public health um publicization, for instance, uh, in BC they did a program called Do Bugs Need Drugs, which was trying to uh, make uh, the public aware that we need to reduce antibiotic use, which causes antibiotic resistance. I think we need to do the same with over-medication of elderly. I would like to see a big ad on the side of every bus that says, is your mom on drugs? If you have problems with your parents' medications, phone this number. 
um, I'm really going out. This is a blue sky uh, discussion at this moment. Um, I would also like to to have people recognize that sometimes staffing issues in the residential care facilities are part of the problem if they're relying a lot on part-time workers. That can have an impact both on the continuity of care for that elder and also on carrying infection from facility to facility if they're relying so much on contractor part-time. I would also like to see uh, more staff training uh, so that there doesn't have to be such a reliance only on drugs for handling behavior problems. I would like to see um, the use of antipsychotics just really cut down. And sometimes if the staff knows how to work with that person, they won't end up having to prescribe something that's going to harm them in the long term. Donna, what's your wish list? It's exactly what Johanna <laughs> just uh, reiterated there, or just told us. Um, I, I would really like to see facilities create an environment where communication between staff and families and patients is, you know, just just so good and, and encouraged so much, and and where both the the families and the and the staff. Are where they give themselves permission not to know everything and to realize that quality of life trumps quantity of life so that they can make decisions based on that and, and not to forget to include the patient if, in fact, they are able to voice what they wish, not to forget to include them. Um, I can... Um, tell you a little story um, about a, a situation I know where a doctor was prescribing a certain treatment and the family didn't think that it uh, would be very helpful and wasn't indicated for their loved one. And the doctor was, was being quite assertive about it. And the family were resisting and they got a second opinion and no, they didn't want that. And finally, the patient, the 92-year-old patient, spoke up and said, well, has the doctor ever thought of asking the patient? And she didn't <laughs> want the treatment. And yeah. she told the doctor did, to his credit, did go and ask the patient, explained about the treatment, and she said, no, I don't want to have that. And that was the end of the discussion. So let's not forget to include the patient when they can. Um, I absolutely agree with family councils, and I would just caution against it just being tokenism. Family councils need to really have the issues, not what kind of soup to serve on Tuesday, which is okay, too, because maybe they're tired of tomato soup and they want mushroom, but, you know, the real um, key issues that uh, patients and families address. Um, I would like to see patient and families, um, particularly, of course, in long-term care facilities, it's probably going to be more so the family, but where patients are able to be at the table in, for example, in our region, we have a long-term care continuous quality improvement committee, and there should be a patient or family member, and actually two of them is, is um, that's the the yardstick is to have at least two at the table on those committees so that the problems or the concerns are addressed with the patient and family present where they can help with the solutions. 
we definitely need more education for providers on over-medication in the elderly because, as I said earlier, we are a very pill-orientated society and we really need to realize that there are other things that we can do. There's other behavioral modifications or things that we can do to address the problems, whether they be, you know, um, mental issues or whether it be physical issues that we can address without using pills all the time, which, of course, as we know, can have very detrimental effects on our elderly population. Right. Johanna, what's your message for family caregivers caring for elderly family members? My message is be involved, be a bedside observer, ask questions. You are the expert on your family member. Educate yourself. And also remember what um, one of the doctors uh, who's involved with our policy, our polypharmacy initiative uh, said to us recently, he's the medical director of uh, a couple of care homes in the Fraser Valley. He said the quality of life of our residents has increased so much when the burden of excess drugs is removed. I think you should keep that uh, to the forefront. Donna, same question. What's your message for family caregivers caring for elderly family members? Um, as Johanna said, be present as much as able. Um, be confident that you have the right to ask questions and be involved in your loved one's care. Um, be confident that you are a necessary partner in the circle of care. Um, as I said before, be respectful but assertive, and sometimes that, as a matter of fact, a lot of And to listen and communicate. Really listen, and don't forget, don't be afraid to ask questions. At a recent conference I was at, um, at the end of the day, what really came out of that is everyone's afraid to talk to everyone else. The nurses are afraid to talk to the doctors. The aides are afraid to talk to the nurses. The patients are afraid to talk to everyone. So, you know, we really need to get create an environment where that fear is, is no longer, you know, present, that we can talk openly to each other because ultimately we all want the same goal, and that is the best care that can be provided for our patients, for our residents. And I guess for family caregivers, I would say give yourself permission to say, no, I don't want my mother or my father to be on that medication. Because I think sometimes as caregivers, we might feel guilty for if we think if we, if we say we don't want that medication, we are harming you know, people are going to say, oh, look, they wouldn't, they didn't want their mother on that medication or that treatment, etc." And so I think we need to give ourselves permission to realize that quality of life is paramount. And if I can just reflect back to you a couple of two or three points that have really struck me in what you're saying. First of all, quality of life. That relates to quality of relationships, doesn't it? The way in which 
group of people who are working together to the same end, which you've both defined as caring well for people who are no longer fully able to care for themselves. If they're all working together and communicating and treating each other uh, as colleagues, as um, family, where family caregivers are the eyes and ears um, who know, who understand, who know most about the people who are being cared for. And if the opinions and the observations of the family caregivers are understood or, or, or taken account of by the professionals and the professionals aim to bring uh, information of a useful kind to the service of the family caregivers, then that whole sense of communication, of teamwork, and of cooperation in an open way, whereby when things do go awry, because they do from time to time, that's normal, human, that's the way life is, they have a mechanism, such as a council, to voice concerns, not about individuals and not necessarily about individual um, patients, but rather about matters that need further attention. A bit like a workplace health and safety committee uh, in, a, in an organization. A way of getting matters out that management and the staff can address to the benefit of everybody. So all of that comes to uh, an inspiring story from both of you and something that um, I hope this um, episode of Family Caregivers will help promote and I particularly want to emphasize this role of making the best of the information that's available on an enormously complicated subject. Um, you know, the stuff that we get on mental illness, the stuff that we get in the way of information on medication can be very confusing. And therefore, having somebody to sit with us patiently and say, this is what it's about, these are the kind of things you need to think about is enormously helpful. So on that point, I'm going to say to you both, Johanna and Donna, Keep up the good work because what you're doing is profoundly important for elderly people, for their family caregivers, for the professions and for healthcare and for the way in which we care for people in, in North America. So please keep going. I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear from you about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. And in our next episode, we'll talk about family caregiving for the medically fragile. Please join us. Same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again twice every week, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until the next show, we hope our programs help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. We'll be right back. 